All right. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you guys uh, came today. And we are continuing our sermon, our series in Ecclesiastes. Last time we were together, we ended uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And we, and we uh, saw that in the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, there was a story of this little um, poor wise man who delivered the city in contrast to this great um, awesome ruler who was not wise. And, and Solomon has this um, verse in 9.16 that says that wisdom is better than might, that it's better to be a wise person and to be unknown and poor and small than to be a wise, an unwise, great and rich and mighty ruler because wisdom is what is valuable. Wisdom is what is valuable. And we left our time together last week with this um, working definition of wisdom, and that is that wisdom is applied knowledge. It's not just knowing what to do. It's not just coming to a Bible study. It's not just going to your community group, but it's taking what you know to be true and then doing something with it. Wisdom is applied knowledge. So we're going to continue our time this morning talking about this idea of wisdom. And I'm kind of an expert on not wisdom, but foolishness. I spent a lot of my years being a fool, not doing what I knew to be true. And so I was trying to think of a great story today to tell you of all of my many mis misadventures, but I'll just tell you one is, is this. I, I like to drive my car like this. Um, you see the, 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 the empty there? You, you even have this warning on your car, a little light that lights up and tells you, hey, you're out of gas. But what I do is I will let my car go all the way down uh, to the red E, see the warning. My wife will freak out. Are you going to get gas? Are you going to get gas? And, and then I, I'll wait because I know when it hits E, I have another um, you know, 30 miles to go. And I always will tell my wife, hey, I'm, don't worry about it. I've never ran out of gas. Well, I have ran out of gas, so that's a lie, years ago. But then recently, I, was, I actually have a story where I ran out of gas at this really busy intersection by, my, by where we used to live. There was a Walmart. There was a Sam's. And right there at the intersection, I couldn't go anymore. I'm like, what's going on? And I look, and I was completely dead. My car would not start. Like I have a, a Ford Explorer. It has a little push button. I push the button, and it's like looking at me like, are you serious? Like you really think? that I'm going to start. And so I didn't have a gas can. You don't, you don't carry a gas can with you in your car. And so um, there was a Sam's Club that had gas, but a Sam's Club, they don't really have like a convenience store area where you can go buy a gas can. And I didn't need to buy 46 gas cans at Sam's. And so luckily there was a Walmart. So I walked over to the Walmart, had to go to the Walmart, left my car in the middle of this busy intersection, bought the gas can, went back to the Sam's Club, filled it up with gas, brought that little gas can with the gas over to my car. It's a plastic gas can. Gas is spilling all over the place. And then I finally get enough gas in my car to start it and then drive it on over to uh, the, the Sam's Club to fill up. And it's so foolish because I could have just stopped and got gas five minutes before that. I could have filled up like a normal person before the car gets on E, but that's just not how I roll. Some of you guys are going to um, run out of gas this morning. And so this is a little prophecy. Don't do that. Be wise. But it's just wisdom. Wisdom is applying what you know, because if you don't have wisdom, what happens is this, you get stuck. When I ran out of gas, I was stuck. Wisdom keeps us from getting stuck in life. Wisdom prevents us from being stuck. And so it's really important today that we look at God's word and say, man, God, what can you give us to help us be wise people, people that don't want to be stuck in life? And so in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 10, Solomon is going to give us some tent poles. He's going to give us some ideas that all people who desire to be wise should hang on to. And the very first one is this. 
And I'm going to give them to you today. Four tent poles for a, for a wise person to hang on to. Four tent poles for a wise person to hang on to. Number one, wise people know that a little sin goes a long way. Wise people know that a little sin goes a long way. Look at verse one. It said, dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. See, can't you just imagine the word picture that's going on here? You have this really masterful perfumer, this guy who is skilled in his craft, and he makes this really wonderful uh, perfume. I'm not talking about Stetson. Okay, no, no qualms to any of you guys who wear Stetson. That's okay. I used to wear that too. It's all good. But he makes this really wonderful perfume. But the thing about making the wonderful perfume is it smells so good, so wonderful, that it attracts a lot of flies. And see, flies don't live forever, and so some of those flies, they die. And then those flies end up into the perfume, and you have decaying carcasses of flies. And those decaying carcasses of flies end up smelling up the perfume. Those little bitty flies, those insignificant flies, end up messing up the whole lot. See, the little flies ruin the entire perfume. Um, Some companies know about this. In fact, one of my favorite companies of all time, some of you guys know it, I'm going to put a picture up here for you, Bluebell, they know all about this. They know all about this. You know, recently they had a listeria outbreak. They, they, they were at one of their all-time highs. Their, their business was booming, but they didn't take care of the little flies flying over their vat, so to speak. They didn't take care of proper cleaning precautions. They didn't do uh, the proper things they needed to do to keep things safe. And then they ended up having to recall 8 million gallons, gallons of ice cream. And, and it cost their business, their employees, it hurt a lot. A little bit, literally a little bit of listeria brewing the whole lot and almost put them out of business. You see, all the benefits of wisdom can be undone by just a little bit of evil. A single mistake can do Lots of damage. Philip Rankin says this, that wisdom is sweet like a fragrant perfume. But it does not take much foolishness to turn things sour because folly stinks. And it takes, all it takes is one rash word, one rude remark, one hasty decision, one foolish pleasure, or an angry outburst to spoil everything. So you can be walking with the Lord, walking in a community group, loving your wife well, and then you let those flies get into your perfume, so to speak, and you ruin everything. Let me ask you a question. What what kind of flies do you have swarming around you right now? What are some flies in your life right now that you need to vet? Um, I'll give you some examples. Some of you, there are some websites, some inappropriate websites that you're looking at that you shouldn't and you've never told anyone. And you you can't stop doing it. You have covenant eyes, but you use the other browser. Um, some of you are developing an emotional affair to somebody who's not your spouse, and it's not physical yet, but you just enjoy talking to her. She makes you laugh. She makes you feel ways that your wife doesn't make you feel. And you just love walking by her desk one more time. You get drunk in private, but no one knows. You don't just have one glass of wine. You have a whole box. Yeah, a box of wine. You use alcohol as a means to unwind and relax instead of letting the Holy Spirit be the one who gives you peace. Your financial dealings aren't on the up and up, and you haven't been caught yet, and you hope that you're never caught because life is good. 
See, what we're talking about is secret sin. We're talking about these flies that aren't dead, these flies that are going to come and they're going to stink up the whole place. You give them enough time and they will. You give those flies enough time and they'll outweigh any wisdom and honor in your life that you've got. Spurgeon said this, Thou art a fool to think of harboring a secret sin. And thou art a fool for this one reason, that thy sin is not a secret sin. It is known and shall one day be revealed, perhaps very soon. Thy sin is not a secret. The eye of God has seen it. Thou hast sinned before his face. A man cannot commit a little sin in secret without being by and by betrayed into a public sin. You cannot, sir, therefore think that you can preserve moderation in sin. You see, if you commit one sin, it's like the melting of the lower glacier upon the Alps. The others must follow in time. A certainty is you put one stone onto another and you put another stone on that, those stones shall become a pyramid. And you'll go there every day because that is the bewitching character of sin. You cannot help it. You may as well ask a lion to let you put your head into his mouth. You cannot regulate his jaws, neither can you regulate sin. Once you go to it, you cannot tell when you will be destroyed. See, I don't know what's going on in your life this morning. I don't know what flies you have flying above you. But the scripture says that a wise person realizes that those, those flies can be fatal. And it is wisdom to confess. It's wisdom to repent. It's wisdom to not go there. But see, wise people don't just know that a little bit of sin can go a long way. Wise people know that the world is not our home. Look with me at verse 2. It says this, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. See, in the, in, when this was written, the right hand was a place of honor, a place of blessing. The left hand, the left, was a place of disaster. And so when the scripture talks about being at the right hand, it's a place of blessing. And don't, don't make a, any mistake about this. When I say blessing, I mean biblical blessing. I mean peace. I mean joy. Knowing that God is in control, knowing that you can sleep at night. It doesn't mean that you're going to have everything that you want, but it's knowing that God's in control. It's, it's true, a true blessing. And so wise people understand this, and they know that there's more to life than just the here and now. There's more to life than just trying to get your name on top of a building. That life is a vapor. And wise people don't live for this life, but they live for the next one. They store their treasures up in heaven. Wisdom always wins in the end. You know, look at your heroes. Think about your heroes. I had a bunch of heroes growing up. One of my uh, number one heroes was this guy, Mike. I wanted to be like Mike. Michael Jordan had everything, didn't he? He had uh, the coolest clothes. He had the coolest shoes. He had more uh, championship rings than anybody. He could dunk. Look at this picture. Look at the way he's dunking. Mike, I want to be like Mike. There was a song. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be like Mike. I wanted to be like Mike. Let me show you another picture of Michael Jordan. This picture. This picture never made it into Sports Illustrated. You know, Michael Jordan now is, is divorced. In fact, it was one of the most expensive divorces in ever. It cost Michael Jordan $168 million to divorce his wife. He's addicted to gambling. He's a womanizer. He has extra, he had extramarital affairs. I don't want to be like Mike. You know, you, you see, Michael Jordan might be famous. Michael Jordan might have... So many championship rings. But let me tell you what Michael Jordan doesn't have. He doesn't have wisdom. He doesn't take God's word and apply that truth and then live it out. And it's tragic. 
You know, he, he does what he wants to do, and he goes to the left. And Michael Jordan's life, although on the outside it may look pretty, it's not a blessing. He's not blessed. And so wise people know you don't live for this life. You live for the next one. And 100 years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is the person's relationship with God, not how many championship rings you have. So you want to be a, a, a blessed life, you've got to understand that when you, are, when you live a, for a blessed life, people may never know your name. You might never be famous. You might never have a championship ring. There are guys that I know that are my heroes today that you have no idea. There's a guy named Rip Parker. He used to go feed the homeless every single night, every night. Listen, every night, not once a week, not once a month. He would meet at a church over on Northwest Highway, and he'd invite people, and sometimes I would go with him when it was convenient for me. And he would go when it was inconvenient for him. He would go in the rain, holidays, because he loved people. You'll probably never know who he is. Well, he's not with us anymore. He's with Christ. There was a guy named Don Mutton. Don Mutton discipled me in Houston. He met me for coffee, this punk little kid who thought he knew everything, who really knew nothing, and he invested his life in my life. You'll never, probably never know who Don Mutton is. I do, and he's a hero of mine. You see, true heroes, the world may never know. The world may never know your name, but God does. And God blesses those who walk in wisdom. So you want to live a blessed life? You strive to be wise, not known. You make him famous, not yourself famous. But not only do wise people know that a little sin goes a long way, not only do they know this world is not our home, they know another thing. They know that wise people, they avoid self-inflicted pain. Wise people avoid self-inflicted pain. Look at verse 8 and 9. It says this. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. You see, wise people, they work hard. They, they live life, but they're, they don't inflict pain on themselves. They plan uh, appropriate. Some of the biggest mistakes that I have ever made in my life is because of simple choices that I made. It wasn't because of just some random thing that happened in life. The, the things that caused me the most guilt in my life, the most shame in my life, the things that I have to continue to go to Christ and find forgiveness in are the things that I did, things that I did upon myself. You see, there's a lot of pain in our life to be avoided if we would just walk wide. Proverbs 27, 12 says that the prudent sees danger and they take refuge, but the simple keep going and they pay the penalty. The prudent see danger. Wise people, they see ahead and they see danger. And they take refuge. They, they change. Simple, they keep going. And then they pay the price. You know, question for you. What area of your life do you need to see danger from this morning and hide from it? This goes back to the first point that we made about the flies. What are those areas in your life? Maybe it's a flirtatious relationship at work. Maybe you and your wife are just passive to each other, and you hope one day your marriage will just work itself out. That doesn't happen, by the way. Maybe you're single, and you keep putting yourself into a situation uh, with your girlfriend where you just keep struggling, keep stumbling. That's unwise. Maybe for you, 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 you should never go to the work happy hour because you just can't stop drinking. You know, I, I think of a lot of areas in my life. For me, uh, some of those are, I, I, I never am in a car with a woman alone that's not my wife. So I don't ride with a coworker. I, I don't um, go to lunch with a secretary. That's just not what I do. And, and I'll even be awkward about it. It's like, hey, we're all going to lunch. Hey, what's up? You, you two want to take a car? No, I'll take my own. Whoa, that's weird. That's crazy. 
Now, that's not crazy. That's wise. That's wise. You see, I, I don't privately text back and forth with girls. Okay, that's not wise. That's stupid. That's foolish. And so you've got to have areas in your life where you say, man, there are areas in my life where danger could come, and I'm going to avoid that. That's what wise people do. Wise people, they also do another thing. They use the right tools. They use the right tools. Uh, verse 10 says this. It says, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. See, wise people know, hey, I just don't want to use an axe. I want a sharp axe. See, a blunt axe, an axe that is dull, will still get the job done. It'll still do the work, but it's going to be a lot harder. So you want to use the tools that God has given you to get through life. Um, Recently, um, a guy in my community group, a friend of mine, he had a house in Austin, and he uh, needed to go uh, to, to sell it. He, was sell- he lives in Dallas now. He was renting it. And so he's like, hey, it's time to sell it. And he was going to go to Austin to do some repairs on the house. And, and, you know, I was like, hey, I'll ride along with you. Can I help? Let me just tell you something. If you are in this room today and you ever need a person to come help you uh, do any kind of uh, manual labor or housework, let me, let me just, as clear as I can tell you, I am not your guy. Like, I want to come hang with you. I want to go on the road trip with you. I want to go eat at the barbecue restaurants on the way. I want to go by the check stop on the way to Austin. But I'm, I'm just not your guy. But what I can do for you, and I did this, I can get on Angie's list for you. I can hire contractors for you. I can, I can negotiate good deals for the painters. But I'm just not your guy. I'm just not a handy-mandy kind of guy. But I went with him when we were in the car, and I'm like, hey, man, what are we going to do? He's like, we're going to you know, take out some trash. Check, I can do that. We're going to uh, sweep the floors. Check, man, I can do that. We're going to um, change out some hardwood flooring. What? We're going to change out some hardwood flooring. I'm like, hey, man, I got YouTube. I got tutorial videos. Let's do it. And so we get there. Let me show you a picture of what this dude brings. He, we get there. I said, his name's Lane. I don't want to call him out, but his name's Lane. I love him. He said, I brought some tools. Here's his tool. He brought a flathead screwdriver. And, and not even a big flathead screwdriver, a little flathead screwdriver, like a micro flathead screwdriver. And he, he, we start chiseling out the floor with a screwdriver. Here's a picture. It took us hours to get just that little bit done. And I'm like, Lane, hey, I'm, listen, I, I want to be very transparent with you. I have never changed out a hardwood floor before, but are you sure these are the right tools? Are you sure this is, don't we need something else? And, and, and so I got on YouTube. I want to see what Bob Villa was talking about. And so I get on there and I realize, hey, Lane, we need a power saw. We, we need a power saw, man. you got to have, we, we have the wrong tool. And so I rode down to Home Depot, and I rented this guy, a power saw. Well, two things. Number one, they don't give you an instruction manual with a power saw. That's really stupid. And then two, they let a pastor and a nurse take a power saw and go to work on a hardwood floor. That's stupid. But hey, here's the deal. We got on YouTube, and we got the job done. Let me show you a third picture. Boom. There, see that? So we did it. We, there's the floor all fixed and repaired. Now, we could have did that job with the flathead screwdriver. It would have taken us a lot longer. It, it, it wouldn't have been as effective. We needed the right tools. And so wise people know you've got to have the right tool. So before we end this morning, what I want to do, I'm going to give you three tools that God has given you. Three tools that God has given you to navigate life. The very first one, God's Word. God's Word. I heard John Piper one time, he was asked, um, does God still speak? Does God still speak out loud? And he said, if you want to hear God speak out loud, open up your Bible and read it out loud. And what he meant was this. This is God's word. God has spoken. 
We have something that the prophets didn't have. We have something that the disciples didn't have. We have God right here in our hands, in our phones, in our iPads. We have the Word of God. This is how God communicates to you. This is one of His primary tools. So you spend time in the Word. You get to know Him through His Word. But not only do we have God's Word, He's given us another tool. He's given us His Spirit. The, the Bible says that once we become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells us fully. There's no uh, second blessing. There's no second baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that once we become a Christian, the, the Holy Spirit, the full person of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, He's a person. He dwells us. And he changes us. And he helps us to become more like Christ. And he convicts us of sin. You know, before I was a believer, I would just do what I want to do. I didn't care what anybody thought. I didn't care about anybody's feelings. I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me changing me, helping me. Now, man, when I, when I do something wrong, I, it hurts. I want to make it right. I want to make it right. And so the Holy Spirit he changes us. And then finally, you have God's people. You have his word, his spirit, and his people. And this one took me a while to learn. The importance of walking with other people, with, with sharing my life with other people. And for some of you in this room, this is going to be incredibly awkward for you. You know, you lived your whole life pretending like you have it all together. You lived your entire life never letting anybody in. You lived your entire life pretending to be this person. And so it's going to be a supernatural act of God for you to then now confess to other people, hey, I don't have it all together. Hey, my marriage isn't what I pretend my marriage is. Hey, I have an alcohol problem, and I've never told anyone. I have a pornography problem, and I've never shared that with anyone. You know, you cannot live the Christian life alone. You will go crazy. You'll be discouraged. You know, I'm thankful to the Lord that now I, I live in community. I, people know me. People know me. They know my life. They know my past. They know where I am currently. And they still love me. There is nothing more encouraging to, to putting all of your cards on the table, putting everything out there and saying, here's who I am. And, and people still love you and accept you and, and, and then let you do ministry. It's amazing. It's amazing. You have people like that in your life. Are you using the tools that God has given you? In just a moment, you're going to go to a small group, and there's going to be other men in that group. And you're going to be tempted to do this. When everyone goes around and says, how is your week? You're going to be tempted to go to you and go, man, my week was really great, and then pass it by. And you could do that. But, but for some of you, you're going to have an opportunity to, to go, hey, you know what? This week wasn't so great. I, I wasn't the kind of dad that I wanted to be. I got angry with my wife. I haven't been in God's word. It's okay to say those things. I still say those things. And I work at a church. It's okay. And then I need other people to speak in my life and go, hey, Rick, that, that, that's not the kind of guy that I know you want to be. How can we help you? How can we encourage you? How can we help you do better? Or there's some days when I need encouragement, not admonishment. I need to go in and go, hey, I'm feeling really down this week. I'm feeling full of shame and guilt. Satan's trying to remind me of who I used to be. And I need, and I need friends to go, hey, that's not who you are. Don't buy those lies. And I need them to encourage me and pray for me. And so do you have friends like that? Do you have guys like that? Because it's one of God's primary tools. God's word, God's spirit, God's people. 
2 Peter 2.13 says that by His, by God's divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. Given us all the tools that we need to do everything that He wants us to do. And so as we wrap up, there's four things that I, that I gave you this morning. Wise people know that a little bit of sin goes a long way. That, that wise people know that this world that we live in, it's not our home. It's not forever. Wise people avoid self-inflicted pain. They, they walk in the ways of God so they don't bring pain on themselves as a result of their sin. And then wise people use the right tools, God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. And so in just a minute when we break to go to a group, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to share the flies that are swarming around in your life right now. I want to encourage you to share the areas in your life that you're not being prudent and you need people to look and go, hey, you need to hide yourself from that danger. You need to get away from that danger. And I want to encourage you to share, to actually share with people who care. It's going to take some courage. But I think you'll find on the other side of that is great freedom. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for just the truth that you've given us through your word. Thank you for the people that you've put in our life. We thank you for the Holy Spirit in our life. And I pray for my friends that are here this morning. I pray that you would help them um, to have the courage to share. Anyone who would be listening to this message, that they would have the courage to share what's going on in their life. And that you would, by your grace, put the gift of other people in their life who know you and love you, walk in wisdom, and they can encourage them, admonish them, and love them as you would love them. So, Father... That's going to take an act of the Holy Spirit and a supernatural act of you to help us to to live like that and to be like that for other people. And so I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.